Chapter Twenty of Grace Harlowe's Senior Year at High School by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty: Marian's Confession. Grace reached home that night with her head in a whirl. She could think of nothing save the fact that she had seen Henry Hammond warmly welcome a man whom she knew in her heart to be a professional crook. It formed the first link in the chain of evidence she hoped to forge against him. She had become strongly imbued with the idea that Hammond was an impostor, that the incident at the station only served to confirm her belief. The Phi Sigma Tau were besieged with questions the next day, and at recess the five members held forth separately to groups of eager and admiring girls on the glories of the visit. "'Where is Marion Barber?' asked Grace of Ruth Dean, as they were leaving the senior locker room at the close of the noon recess. "'She hasn't been in school to-day,' replied Ruth. "'I suppose what happened Friday was too much for her.' "'What happened Friday?' repeated Grace. "'Well, what did happen?' "'Oh, Eleanor Savelli and Marian had a quarrel in the locker-room. "'I was the only one who heard it, and I shouldn't have stayed, "'but I knew Eleanor of old, and I made up my mind "'that I had better stay and see that Marian had fair play. "'But I might as well have stayed away, "'for I wasn't of any use to either side. "'In fact, I doubt if either one realised I was there. "'They were so absorbed in their own troubles. "'It's a wonder that I wasn't around,' remarked Grace. "'I'm really glad, however, that I wasn't.' The Phi Sigma Tau were all in Miss Tebbs' classroom at recess last Friday. Miss Tebbs is a dear friend of the Southards, you know. She was invited to go with us, but had made a previous engagement that she could not break. We were talking things over with her. After school we all went straight home, and I saw neither Eleanor nor Marian. Have you any idea what it was about? I don't know, returned Ruth bluntly. Marian and Eleanor came into the locker room together. I heard Marian say something about telling Eleanor what she had in confidence. Then Eleanor just laughed scornfully and told Marian that she had told her secrets to the wrong person. Marian grew very angry and called Eleanor treacherous and vengeful, and Eleanor said that Marian's opinion was a matter of indifference to her. Then she told Marian that she intended to call a class meeting for Thursday of this week and entertain them with a very interesting little story that Marian had told her the previous week. Marian wilted at that and cried like a baby, but Helena kept on laughing at her and said that she would know better another time and perhaps would think twice before she spoke once. She said that no one could trample upon her with impunity. She always says that when she is angry. She said that last year. "'Well, Marian cried some more,' continued Ruth, "'and Eleanor made a number of other spiteful remarks "'and walked out with a perfectly hateful look of triumph on her face. "'And what about Marian?' asked Grace. "'She didn't go back to the study hall. "'She told Miss Thompson that she was ill and went home.' "'Poor Marian,' said Grace. "'She certainly has been very foolish to leave her real friends "'and put her faith in people like Eleanor and that Henry Hammond.' I have been afraid all along that she would be bitterly disillusioned. I think I'd better go see her to-night. Why, I thought she wasn't on speaking terms with the Phi Sigma Tau, exclaimed Ruth. Speaking terms or not, I'm going to find out what the trouble is and straighten it out if I can. Please don't tell that to anyone, Ruth. I don't imagine it is anything serious. Eleanor always goes to extremes. Trust me, Grace, not to say a word, was the response. "'I wish Anne was here,' mused Grace, as she took her seat and drew out her textbook on second-year French. Then, for the time being, she dismissed Marian from her mind and turned her attention to the lesson on hand. By the time school closed that afternoon, Grace had made up her mind to go to see Marian before going home. 
Leaving Nora and Jessica at the usual corner, she walked on for a block, then turned into the street where the barbers lived. Grace pulled the bell rather strenuously by way of expressing her feelings and waited. "'Is Marian in?' she inquired of Alice, the old servant. "'Yes, Miss Grace,' answered the woman. "'She's in the sitting-room. Walk right in there. It's a long time since I see you here, Miss Grace.' "'Yes, it is, Alice,' replied Grace with a smile, then walked on into the room. Over in one corner, huddled up on the wide leather couch, was Marian. Her eyes were swollen and red, and she looked ill and miserable. Marian, began Grace, Ruth Dean told me you were ill, and so I came to see you. Go away, muttered Marian. I don't wish to see you. I'm not so sure of that, answered Grace. I understand that you have been having some trouble with Eleanor, and that she has threatened revenge. Who told you? cried Marian, sitting up and looking angrily at Grace. I can manage my own affairs without any of your help. Very well, replied Grace quietly. Then I'd better go. I thought when I came that I might be able to help you. You're both ill and unhappy. I see I've been mistaken. You can't help me, replied Marian, her chin beginning to quiver. Nobody can help me. I'm the most miserable girl. Her voice ended in a wail, and she rocked to and fro upon the couch, sobbing wildly. Listen to me, Marian, commanded Grace firmly. You must stop crying and tell me every single thing about this trouble of yours. I've crossed swords with Eleanor before this, and I think I can bring her to reason. How can I tell you, sobbed Marian. Grace, I'm a thief and may have to go to prison. A thief, echoed Grace. Nonsense, Marian. I don't believe you would steal a penny. But I am, persisted Marian tearfully. I stole the class money and it's all gone. She began to sob again. Grace let Marian finish her cry before interrogating her further. She wanted time to think. Her mind hastily reviewed the two conversations she had overheard between Marian and Henry Hammond. This, then, was the meaning of it all. The brief suspicion that had flashed into her mind, and Anne's on the night that Marian and Henry Hammond had passed them, had been only too well founded. Marian had drawn the money from the bank and given it to him. Marian, said Grace, did you give the money the judge sent to us to Henry Hammond? Marian nodded, too overcome as yet to speak. Can't you tell me about it? continued Grace patiently. Marian struggled for self-control, then began in a shaking voice. I've been a perfect idiot over that miserable Henry Hammond, and I deserve nothing. I was not satisfied with being a schoolgirl, but thought it very smart to put up my hair and make a general goose of myself. It all began the night of the bazaar. I had no business to pay any attention to that man. He is really very clever, for before I realized what I had said, I had told him all about our sorority and about being class treasurer, and a lot of things that were none of his business. After the bazaar, I saw him often and told him about the judge's check. One day he asked me if I had any friends who had money that they would like to double. I had fifty dollars of my own that I had been saving for ever so long. He said that he manipulated stocks a little, whatever that is, in connection with his real estate business. He asked me to give him the money and let him prove to me how easily he could double it. I did, and he brought me back one hundred dollars. Of course I was delighted. Then Mother sent me fifty dollars for Christmas, and I bought all those presents. It took every cent I had, and I was awfully silly, for no one cared as much for them as if they had been pretty little gifts that I made myself. That was my first folly. The next was those three gowns. They haven't been paid for yet. I haven't dared give Father the bills, and I can never face Mother. She would never have allowed me to order anything like them. Well, you know how badly I behaved at the house party, and how nice you all were to me, even when I was so hateful. 
On New Year's night, when we were coming from Nesbitt's, Henry Hammond asked me for the class money. He said he had a chance to treble it, and that it was too good an opportunity to be lost. I refused point-blank at first, and then he talked and talked in that smooth way of his until I began to think what a fine thing it would be to walk into the class and say, "'Girls, here are fifteen hundred dollars instead of five hundred. I was feeling awfully cross at you girls just then, because he made me believe that you were slighting me and leaving me out of things. Besides, all of you had warned me against him, and I wanted to show you that I knew more than you did.' I didn't promise to give it to him that night, but the more I thought of it, the more I inclined toward his views, and the upshot of the matter was that I drew it out of the bank and let him have it. Marian paused and looked piteously at Grace. Then she said brokenly, He lost it, Grace. Every cent of it. The week after I gave it to him, he told me that luck had been against him and that it was all gone. When I asked him what he intended to do about it, he promised that he would sell some real estate of his and turn the money over to me to give it back to the class. He said it was his fault for persuading me to do it and that I shouldn't suffer for it, but he never kept his word. Last week I asked him for the last time if he would refund the money, and he laughed at me and said that I had risked it and ought to accept my losses with good grace. I threatened to expose him, and he said if I did I should only exceed in making more trouble for myself than for him. He'd only speculated with what I'd given him. Where I obtained the money was none of his business, and as long as I had appropriated it, I would have to abide by the consequences. Of course, I was desperate and didn't know what to do. I had no money of my own, and I didn't dare ask my father for it. I had to tell someone. So I told Eleanor. Eleanor! exclaimed Grace, aghast. Oh, Marion, why did you tell her, of all people? I thought she was my friend declared Marian. But I soon found out that she wasn't. As soon as I had told her, she changed entirely. She told me last Friday that she had been watching for a long time in the hope of avenging herself upon the Phi Sigma Tau for their insults, and that at last she had the means to do so. Her friendship for me was merely a pretense. She said that when I separated from my sorority, she knew I was sure to do something foolish, so she decided to make advances to me and see what she could find out. She's going to call a class meeting for next Thursday after school, and she is going to expose me. She says that it is right that the class should know just what sort of material the Phi Sigma Tau is made up of, and that one of its members is a sneak and a thief. This is serious and no mistake, replied Grace soberly. Don't you remember, Marian, the buck in our junior year when Eleanor tried to get Anne's part in the play? I cautioned the girls to never put themselves in a position where Eleanor might injure them. Yes, I remember now. Marian faltered, but it's too late. I might try to checkmate her at her own game by threatening to tell the story of the missing costumes, reflected Grace aloud. I'll try it at any rate, but even if we do succeed in silencing Eleanor, where are we to get the money to pay back the class fund? We can't arrest that miserable Henry Hammond without making the affair public, and this simply must remain a private matter. It is the hardest problem that I have ever been called upon to contend with. You must brace up, Marian, and go back to school tomorrow, directed Grace. If you keep on this way, it will serve to create suspicion. You have done a very foolish and really criminal act, but your own remorse has punished you severely enough. None of us are infallible. The thing to do now is to find a way to make up this money. Marian wiped her eyes, and leaving the lounge, walked over to Grace, and putting her arms around Grace's neck, said with agonized earnestness, Grace, can you— and the girls ever forgive me for being so hateful. Why, of course we can. 
There's nothing to forgive. We've never stopped thinking of you as a member of our sorority. We wouldn't ask anyone else to take your place. An expression of intense relief shone in Marian's face. I'm so glad, she said. I can't help but being happy, even with this cloud hanging over me. Cheer up, Marian, said Grace, hopefully. I have an idea that I shall straighten out this tangle yet. I must go now. Keep up your courage, and whatever you do, don't tell anyone else what you have told me. There are too many in the secret now. End of chapter 20